Today is the 10th Sunday after Trinity Sunday, and the appointed gospel reading for today comes from the 19th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel, beginning with the 41st verse. Now as he drew near, he saw the city, and wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you, and your children within you, to the ground. They will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple. But the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him, and were unable to do anything, for the people were very attentive to hear him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. The gospel reading which is appointed for today comes from a point which is very familiar to us, for it immediately follows St. Luke's account of the Lord's arrival on a colt, the foal of a donkey. St. Luke records, Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. It is then that we read, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you, and your children within you, to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. They did not know the time of their visitation. The Pharisees sought to silence those who would welcome the Christ, the King of Israel, as he came to his city and to his temple. The disciples rejoiced and praised God, but the Pharisees rejected the Lord and sought to silence all who honored him. And in this, they imagined they did such things to the glory of God. They imagined that they served the temple with such words. The Pharisees sought to, to silence the disciples of the Lord, but the Lord had come to purify the temple. Scripture records that there were two times when the Lord thus purified the temple. The second time is that which of which we hear today, when the Lord came to the temple to purify it in the days before his crucifixion. The first time that he cleansed the temple was near the beginning of his ministry. In John the second chapter, after the miracle of the changing of water into wine at the wedding feast in Cana, the Lord traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover. Thus we read, now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money, and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. The animals which were being sold in the temple were not viewed as if they were livestock. No, these were the animals prescribed for sacrifice. In Leviticus chapter 1, the Lord gives very precise instructions regarding the manner in which the animal was to be offered in sacrifice. 
the manner in which it was to be killed, and where, in relationship to the altar. The animals were being offered up close to hand. Rather than transporting animals of their own for the sacrifice, people were simply able to travel to the temple and then buy the animal for their sacrifice. And the money changers facilitated such purchases by allowing people to travel a great distance and still have their home currency work. They had streamlined the process of sacrifice so that those who had come to offer their sacrifice before the altar hardly needed to think about it at all. The sacrifice had become, in their hearts and minds, detached from repentance. Now, when Jesus had declared the coming end of Jerusalem, we are told that he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Jesus likened them to a den of thieves. What is he driving at here? Our Lord is recalling another time in the history of Israel when the people turned away from the path of repentance, the time of the warning in Jeremiah chapter 7. At that time, the people did not believe that they had fallen to such a state that their judgment was close, because they had told themselves lies. The Lord commanded the prophet Jeremiah to stand in the gate of the Lord's house and call the people to repentance. For thus we read, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Do not trust in these lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. In other words, the people of Jerusalem were bringing down upon themselves their own destruction on account of their proud impenitence. They had taught themselves the wrong understanding of the mercy, which the Lord had shown to the people up unto their own time. Consider the catalog of their sins, stealing, murder, adultery, bearing false witness, and idolatry. For all of this they imagined that they would be held blameless, without repentance. After all, they had the temple. Rather than actually repenting of their sins, they imagined they could remain in their sin, but never be held accountable to the divine judgment, regardless of that which they purported to believe. It is in Jeremiah chapter 7, following the appointed Old Testament reading for this day, that we read, Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, even I, have seen it. Now, the thief imagines himself to be safe in his own den. He is surrounded by his own, imagining himself to be far from those who can judge him. A den of thieves is where the thieves can count their spoil. And they are treating the Lord as if he were the one who has made their crimes possible. The spirit of the people who thought so little of the mercy of God that they imagined it something that could be sold to the impenitent has spirit which was at war with the Lord. And the Gentile spirit is so opposed to the mercy of the Lord that it is utterly carried away. For it is, as St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. 
idolatry led them away from the right knowledge of God, even as they imagined themselves to be spiritual. The Pharisees also imagined themselves to be most zealous for the kingdom of God, even as they sought to silence the disciples who proclaimed the coming of the Christ. Consider the words of the Collect for today, when we pray, O God, who declarest thine almighty power, chiefly in showing mercy and pity, mercifully grant unto us such a measure of thy grace, that we, running the way of thy commandments, may obtain thy gracious promises, and be made partakers of thy heavenly treasure. The literal translation of the Collect from the Latin original addresses God as the one who declares his almighty power to the greatest extent in showing mercy and pity. When we think of the omnipotent might of the triune God, our thoughts might first turn to his having called all of creation into existence by the power of his word. Or we might think of him forming man from the dust of the earth and breathing life into him. Or we might think of his victory over his enemies, such that no one could deliver from his hand. But the prayer directs our thoughts where they need to be. O God, who declares thine almighty power chiefly, that is, to the greatest extent, in showing mercy and pity, mercifully grant unto us such a measure of thy grace, that we, running the way of thy commandments, may obtain thy gracious promises and be made partakers of thy heavenly treasure. Men remain confused regarding the things of God. They walk in the way of impenitence, even as they think that they can merit the favor of the Lord, and they chase after that which they deem spiritual, even when it is opposed to that which the Lord has appointed for the building up of the church. The work of the Spirit is found in that which the Lord has appointed for the building up of his church. The diversities of gifts and the differences of ministries all speak to that common working of the Spirit of the Lord. There are those within the Corinthian church who seem to have gloried in certain gifts while despising others. What shall we say of those who, in the age when many of the miraculous works which were appointed for proofs of the apostolic teaching in their generation, still desire the sign while despising the substance of their apostolic doctrine? The gifts of the Spirit are appointed for the blessing of the saints of God. As we read in 1 Corinthians 12, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Gospel reading appointed for two Sundays ago on Trinity 8. The Gospel reading is taken from Matthew the 7th chapter, and there we hear the words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The working of wonders may be present while the heart is far from the Lord. For the false prophets are the ones who will thus be crying out, Lord, Lord. The Holy Spirit sends ministers to preach Christ crucified to preach to the saints of God concerning the atonement for sin, which the Lord in flesh accomplished through his suffering and death, so that all who believe in him would receive the gift of eternal life. And that belief, that faith, is something which the Holy Spirit establishes and sustains. Our faltering steps are the fruit of that which the Lord has accomplished. 
We do not go forth with the hubris of the false prophets, but with the trembling steps of those who know that that which is in us by nature is sinful and unclean, and that the good that is worked in us is established and sustained by the Holy Spirit through the Word and Sacraments. Our life is in the church, where the Lord dwells and distributes his gifts. What is the will of our Father in heaven? Jesus tells us in John the sixth chapter, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Thus we believe in, trust in, the Christ, who will come again in glory at the end of the age. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who declares thine almighty power, chiefly in showing mercy and pity, mercifully grant unto us such a measure of thy grace, that we, running the way of thy commandments, may obtain thy gracious promises, and be made partakers of thy heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to visit them today for the 10 a.m. worship service. Our Bible class immediately follows after the divine service, and presently we are studying St. Peter's first epistle. We also have a midweek matin service, which is on Wednesday at 11 a.m., and this Wednesday we are observing the festival of St. Lawrence, Deacon and Martyr. Salem was located approximately two miles north of Malone, off of FM 308. For more information on Salem Lutheran Church or these broadcasts, you may visit us on the internet at www.salemlutheranchurch.net. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone. <laughs>